当成工作委员之后，更忙了，事情更多了。I became busier after I served as a national political advisor. I have more work to do and less time to rest, but I feel more satisfied and fulfilled. As a member of the National Committee of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, I must speak for the people. I always keep this mission in mind and try my best to fulfill it, regardless of any difficulties. This March, 59-year-old Zhang Yuqing has embarked on his second five-year term as a member of the National Committee of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, or CPPCC, China's top political advisory body. Also a professor and university president, Zhang has worked in the educational sector and the underdeveloped Jiangxi Province in central China for decades. Since he first became a national political advisor in 2018, he has drawn on his rich experience and expertise to make a series of proposals about educational reform and rural development. But what does he propose? Why does it matter? What does a CPPCC National Committee member or national political advisor mean? And how did Zhang Yuqing get to become a national political advisor? Stay tuned to this edition of Footprints to find out. Going on field investigative trips, doing interviews with the media, writing draft proposals, Zhang Yuqing is always busy in the weeks before and during the two sessions, the concurrent annual meetings of China's top legislature and top political advisory body in March. As a member of the National Committee of the CPPCC, he has to be well prepared for the two sessions and come with concrete proposals. He focuses his attention on vocational education and its role in developing rural areas, better known in China as the Rural Revitalization Drive. I think there is a lot of work to do in terms of developing rural areas through vocational training. Some places have done a good job, but generally there is no systematic coordination to carry out vocational training for farmers and other personnel working in rural areas. So my proposal this year focuses on this issue. Zhang takes Jiangxi Province as an example. Currently, the province has five rural revitalization colleges, as they are called. One of them is based in Fenghuang Village, Nanchang County. Over the past two years, more than 11,000 people received training there. At present, such training covers areas of rural governance, farming techniques, commercial relations, and so on. At the end of February, Zhang visited another fledgling training school specializing in cultivating talents in agriculture and rural affairs in the county of Hukou. The school, officially called Zhoujiang Liufeng Rural Revitalization College, was founded in January 2023. Its training courses draw inspiration and resources from the local flourishing soybean industry. It focuses on passing on necessary knowledge and skills about how to commercialize local farming products to aspiring farmers and rural entrepreneurs. Although the school has only been established recently, Zhang has been inspired and is optimistic about its future. 
and he has formed his own thinking based on what he found out in his field trips. 乡村自行的培养一定是要和当地的产业。Training aimed at rural revitalization should be integrated into local agricultural and industrial development. Every village, town, and county has its own unique characteristics, which training organizers should take into consideration. Moreover, the national political adviser says more training bases should be established across Jiangxi Province and should combine and coordinate the resources together. In his own words, the training schools or bases should form an alliance. For example, there should be a unified training course and location for the training of village heads from across the province. For agricultural technicians, the training can also be organized into one place. Otherwise, it won't be so effective if there are only about a dozen trainees from just a single township. Zhang adds that an experts committee should be established to give advice to such an alliance of training schools. He's also proposing to establish a pool of trainers who not only have professional knowledge but also practical skills in their own field. The pool of trainers should be shared nationwide. This would be a huge project, but I have confidence I can push it forward. In the coming year, Zhang says he will carry out much more research and present what he discovers to the authorities. The task is arduous and the road will be long, but the more difficult it is, the more meaningful it is. In recent weeks, I have visited a dozen counties in Jiangxi province. I found out that many local residents would be interested in such training. For decades, China's rural areas have lagged behind urban areas in terms of living standards, economic development, educational, and cultural services. To bridge the urban-rural gap has long been a policy priority for governments at various levels. In September 2018, the central government released a five-year plan on rural revitalization strategy. Mapping out a number of major projects, programs, and actions by promoting vocational education in rural areas, Zhang Yuqing is making his own contribution to this national drive to develop the countryside. Now let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll take a look at how Zhang became a national political advisor and what the role means for him. Stay tuned. From north to south, east to west. People in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys. You're listening to Footprints. In early 2018, Zhang, then a deputy university president in Jiangxi Province, first became a member of the National Committee of the CPPCC. 当时听了之后，很兴奋，很激动，感到很荣光。When I learned of the news, I was very excited and honored. Soon, I felt the role also meant great responsibility. As a national political advisor, I was expected to bring the voices of the people to the central government and also supervise the government for the people. 
the job is unpaid, but the job requirement is demanding. There is no single penny in wages or subsidies for being a national political advisor. Non-Communist Party members comprise the majority of the total number of the national political advisors. I am a member of the Jiusan Society. If you want to be a national political advisor, you must be well-known and outstanding, at least in your own profession or field. Then you may be recommended to be a political advisor. The Zhou San Society is one of China's eight democratic parties, comprised of highly educated personnel working in the sectors of science, education and culture. Although it's unpaid, Zhang says he, like many other fellow political advisors, has taken the job seriously through all the years he served as a CPPCC National Committee member. Being a national political advisor is not a part-time job. I must faithfully execute the duties required of this role and my own job as a university administrator. For me, these two roles are both sacred jobs. Every March, during the annual two sessions, Zhang has to ask for leave from his own job so that he can travel to Beijing for the week-long meetings. During the remainder of the year, he can conduct field investigations required of his role as a national political advisor only during weekends or in the evening. Such a tight work schedule is no doubt busy and tiring. I became busier after I served as a national political advisor. I have more work to do and less time to rest. But I feel more satisfied and fulfilled. As a member of the National Committee of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, I must speak for the people. I always keep this mission in mind and try my best to fulfill it, regardless of any difficulties. Only in this way can I and my fellow political advisors get to know the real situation and demands of the people and then present them to the central authorities. For each piece of advice or proposal, Zhang reckons he makes at least a dozen field trips to get to know the facts, issues, and then comes up with potential solutions. Without extensive and in-depth field investigations, it would be impossible to come up with a solid proposal. Sometimes he goes on investigative trips with his fellow political advisors, but oftentimes he goes to a place on his own, and sometimes his two jobs are complementary. Sometimes I can do two jobs at the same time. For example, when I visit some companies, I can carry out investigations as a political advisor and at the same time as a university administrator get to know what kinds of graduates they need. Last year, I went to see a dozen companies within a time period of six months. For these trips, I brought a team from my university with me. Duty, passion and wisdom. Zhang has always poured his heart and soul into what he does. When he first became a national political advisor in 2018, Zhang served as deputy president of the East China Jiao Tong University, which is based in Nanchang, the provincial capital of Jiangxi province. 
Zhang was in charge of physical education. As a result, he drew on his work experience and made proposals about improving the health and athletic ability of teenagers and college students. I conducted a survey about the health status of teenagers in 2017 and 2018. I went to more than 30 schools in different regions. I had in-depth talks with students, teachers, parents, and schoolmasters. I found that the physical education situation was worrying for me. So my proposal in 2018 was entitled "Deepening Physical Education Reform, Enhancing the Physical and Psychological Health of Teenagers." According to Jiang's findings, some educators in the middle school and parents didn't pay much attention to the physical education of the teenagers. Sports facilities were not adequate in some schools, and the time slot set for physical education classes were often occupied by other exams-oriented courses, such as Chinese, mathematics, and English. Jiang's proposal called for educators and parents to change their mindset, and the government to make more investment in building better quality sports facilities for school students. The proposal led to a positive response from the Ministry of Education and other government departments. In the years that followed, the central government issued a series of directives to promote physical education at school. School educators were asked to assign at least one hour per day for students to do outdoor exercises. More physical education teachers were recruited. According to a nationwide survey conducted in 2019. The health status of school students was steadily improving in a wide range of indices, such as height, weight, chest circumference, and lung capacity. Since presenting his 2018 proposal, Jiang has continued to keep an eye on how things have progressed. Knowing his proposal has led to concrete results, Jiang says he has had a deep sense of fulfillment. In subsequent years, he continued to focus on the educational sector in his proposals. In 2019, he was appointed president of Xinyu University, which was previously a vocational training school. And so, in the years that followed, his priority as a national political advisor became how to improve vocational education. He has visited one vocational school and manufacturing company after another to solicit opinions about vocational education and look into what needs to be improved. He discovered that the country's vocational schools needed to come up with better ways to cultivate highly skilled technicians and workers, and he made proposals accordingly. The critical step in improving the practical skills of students is to involve both the schools and companies in the training courses. During this process, teachers at the vocational schools should also go to companies to learn. Meanwhile, skilled technicians should be encouraged to come to the schools to teach. Some of his proposals have been included in the revised vocational education law, which took effect in May 2022. The revised law upgrades the status of vocational education in China and encourages enterprises and schools to work together to improve their vocational education capacity. Initial results have begun to materialize. Wu Rensheng, chief engineer of a new energy enterprise in Jiangxi Province, 
says his company now receives better graduates from vocational schools thanks to the improvements in education provision. In recent years, more and more vocational school students come to our company to get trained. The longest training program lasts for more than six months. Some of the trainees chose to work for our company upon graduation. For our company, these new recruits don't need to undergo additional training. I think such training programs are good for the company, vocational school and the students. According to the Ministry of Education, China is home to the largest vocational education system in the world. More than 11,000 vocational schools are operating across the country. Every year, those schools produce about 10 million technicians or skilled workers for the world's second largest economy. With no doubt, Zhang Yuqing has made his own contribution to the development of the Chinese economy through his proposals about improving vocational education. Now, let's take another short break. Lastly, we're going to discover how this national political advisor grew to be what he is today, and we'll take a look into his private life. Stay tuned. You're listening to Footprints. Welcome back. Jiang Yuqing was born in Shandong province in 1964. When he was eight years old, his family moved to Jilin province in northeast China. He grew up in the villages, where people led a low-income, rustic life, but often have close bonds with each other. I grew up in a rural environment where I met many kind-hearted villagers, so I have developed a deep affinity with the countryside since childhood. Even after I moved to live and work in the cities, I still have fond memories and good feelings about the countryside. That's why I have paid particular attention to rural revitalization as a national political advisor. Some people suggested I should have studied more high-end intellectual issues. I told them that I love the countryside and want to do something for it. Basking in the love and friendship of the villagers, the little Zhang studied hard at school. In primary and middle schools, he was always a top student in his class. In 1982, Zhang, then 18 years old, passed the highly competitive National College entrance exams. He was admitted by the Department of Mathematics of the Northeast Normal University, which is based in the city of Changchun. Upon graduation, he became a teacher at Shunyang Agricultural University. Then, in the 1990s, he got his master's degree and doctorate from the same university. In 1999, Zhang, as a talent having a doctorate, joined a one-year aid mission for the less developed western and central parts of China, organized by the central government. The mission saw him coming to work in Jiangxi province in central China as a local government official in the county of Funyi, in charge of agriculture and science-related affairs. Jiang did a good job in post and won the trust of the local people. In 
When I worked in Fengyi County, I went to the farmland and had deep interactions with the local villagers. I was thrilled by their longing for knowledge and respect for people with a good education. At the time, there were only about 100 people having a doctorate in Jiangxi Province. So people in Fengyi County rarely meet such a person in their lives. Some strangers politely called me Dr. Zhang when I walked in the streets. In this way, they showed me respect and expressed their delight in having a person with a doctorate in their hometown. When Zhang first came to work in Jiangxi province, the region was underdeveloped and had a population of more than 40 million. While working hard to help with its development, Zhang says the region's good natural environment has made a big impression on him. For decades, Jiangxi province, a region of similar size to the US state of Florida, has boasted one of the highest forest coverage rates among the provincial level regions in China, standing at above 50%. After the one-year aid mission ended, Zhang Yuqing chose to stay in Jiangxi, continuing to work in public service. In 2004, only 40 years old, he was appointed a deputy president of the East China Jiao Tong University, which is based in Nanchang, the provincial capital of Jiangxi. During his first five years in the province, Zhang left his wife and middle school-aged daughter back in the city of Shenyang in northeast China. The distance between them was about 2,000 kilometers. It's only after he began working in the city of Nanchang that he brought his family along with him. Like most other Chinese parents, Zhang has paid great attention to children's education. Like himself, his daughter was a top student in an elite middle school back in the city of Shenyang. He had to think carefully before deciding to move his daughter to Jiangxi province, where it might be difficult to access a similar top-level middle school to the one his daughter was attending in northeast China. But finally, love and family bonds prevailed. The family was reunited and his daughter was transferred to a satisfactory middle school in Nanchang, thanks to the help of the local authorities. With family living beside him, Zhang was doing his work with even greater passion. He worked for the East China Jiao Tong University for 15 years, until 2019, when he was appointed president of Xinyu University. He moved south from the provincial capital of Nanchang to the city of Xinyu, where his namesake university is based. Xinyu University was previously a vocational college and was reorganized and upgraded in 2010. Currently, about 15,000 students are studying at the university. Zhang says he aims to build it up as a higher learning institute with a particular emphasis on engineering and other such practical training for the students. The city of Xinyu is an industrial city. There are a lot of new energy enterprises in the city. So the best major in our university is the new energy science and engineering. According to a government survey conducted in 2022, our major ranked first among all similar majors offered in universities across Jiangxi province. While trying to provide the best training for his students, Zhang has been doing what he can to create a dynamic and equitable campus life.
Being a sports lover, he often plays basketball or ping-pong on campus with his students. In an unconventional move, he posted his photo and personal mobile phone number on the billboard in the campus canteen, so that anybody in his university can contact him directly when they have to. Some university presidents may be afraid of getting calls from the students. I am not. I think it's very good for the students to contact me when they need help. I have always told myself to treat my students just as my own children. If a university president treats his students this way, he or she will not do a bad job or be hated by his or her students. Why should a parent be afraid of his or her own children? In reality, I don't receive many calls from my students. When they do call me, they really need my help. So I think releasing my phone number is a good way for me to run a university and interact with my students. His easygoing and democratic style has made him very popular among his students. I'm often greeted by students I don't personally know on campus. I feel very warm and content. Now having worked and lived in Jiangxi province for over two decades, he has taken on many roles and has been bestowed with many honors. A government official, then a professor, a university president, and more importantly, a national political advisor. For what he has experienced and achieved, Zhang is truly grateful. Now approaching the threshold retirement age of 60 years old, he still feels strong and energetic and is ready to continue working for his students and for the people whenever he can. With that, we conclude this edition of Footprints. Thanks for listening. I'm Bob Jones. If you're interested in hearing more about the lives of ordinary people in China, follow us on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Just key in Footprints and you can find more stories anytime, anywhere. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>